Lords of the Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, it's Pro Tour Weekend. I know you got a chance to watch on Friday night because we watched together. Did you catch the rest of it? I did. This is, I think, the most Pro Tour coverage that I have ever gotten to watch. I watched all the limited rounds. I watched most of the standard rounds. And I watched all of the top eight today. Nice. You were batching it up this weekend. Yeah, I really was. I was. I had my corset cube on one screen and I had my Pro Tour coverage on the other screen. It was great. I had a, I had a blast. How about you? What did you get to watch? Sounds like the dream. Yeah, I watched Friday night with you. I have not had a chance to watch day two coverage yet uh, of the limited rounds, but then I watched a lot of the top eight today before I had to leave to go watch my students all region honor band concert. I mean, before I got to go watch my students <laughs> all region honor band concert. Yes, yes. Important <laughs> asterisk there. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, I, I'm always a sucker for for the pro tour coverage, no matter what they're doing. And I still even like the, I don't know, just the, the hype and the the glory and the lights and the cameras. It's really all very, very fascinating to me, even the standard stuff, dare I say. Yeah, I was not planning on watching standard. And then I like turned the computer on. And obviously, I like opened Twitch first thing like I always do. I was getting ready to work on the show notes. And I was like, oh, man, it's the top eight. Like, I just am a sucker for competition. Like, yeah, I'll watch the baseball like during playoffs. Like, and I hate baseball, <laughs> but like, give me the World Series. Like, I'll sit down and watch. Like, I just like watching things that are played for high stakes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's hard to not get invested when you're super competitive in something that is high stakes. Have you been able to do any Guilds of Ravnica drafts this week? I have. I've been back drafting a little bit, plan to start streaming a lot. I'm officially free, so should be back to my normal streaming schedule in the future. I've got in three more. So I've got 36 total drafts now, still 11 trophies, 77 and 30 overall for still a 72% win rate. How about you? Uh, I've got 127 drafts, one more trophy from last week, 26 total, 243 to 132 win loss for a 65% win rate. I sort of got a little bummed out by the format this week, but I have been loving corset cube on magic online yeah i have as well uh i've done a few drafts i know you've done even more than that uh you skyped in on my stream last night for a couple drafts it was super fun uh i my first draft was a little rough but after that i i warmed up quickly i've two one every time so i've got a 66 percent win rate how about you nice i actually haven't been tracking my win rate but i did uh get three trophies today while watching the pro tour so i think some of that that high level play rubbing off that high level play was rubbing off yeah exactly um but yeah it's super fun it's uh for folks who haven't gotten a chance to to draft it yet um i would encourage you to do so before it leaves on wednesday it's a nice little change of pace from regular cubes one of the most notable uh, features is that there is like almost no mana fixing which was sort of a, a nice curveball there and i think also we were talking about this last night just that it feels like my expectations were so low just because corset cube sounds so snooze worthy but <laughs> it's so fun it's really really interesting and i've I've not felt like it's outstayed its welcome so far. Yeah, it's been great. It's been very interesting drafts. Good gameplay. Well, we would be remiss if on Pro Tour Weekend, we did not record an episode about the drafts at the Pro Tour. And we're going to shake things up a little bit today. We're going to look at rather than just grab a couple of drafts that we thought from the draft viewer were interesting. We're actually going to look at all the drafts 
from one of the pods, the featured pod in day two, and take a look at what all the players did and try and like sort of track the flow of signals around the table. This was uh, Ben's sort of last minute idea today as we were doing the show notes, and I'm really excited to to dive into it. Before we do that, though, we got to check in on the Patreon, baby. Oh, baby. Thank you for reminding me about that Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to give back to the show. Why wouldn't you want to give back to the show? We're here every week. We're just dumping loads of limited knowledge we were going to call the show loads of limited by the way but we we opted out of it um <laughs> that's the place to go to give back to the show if you want obviously the show will always be free but we try and throw some perks your way and the base level for everyone who donates to the show you get access to the lords of limited discord and i gotta say it's pretty sweet having folks in the discord competing in the pro tour ben i Heck felt like yeah it is we had this like nice little inside scoop and i do i i need to read this quote because it just like made my whole weekend we have someone who's part of our the hero tier chat which is one of our higher tier donations and they went 5-1 in the limited portions of the pt and they said this discord and the podcast were amazingly helpful in my prep and that is just that's the whole deal that's why we're doing this so really want to dive into the discord to get all the hot tips on the limited format week by week by week. Um, we got a lot of sweeter rewards for higher tier donations. We do have the Lords of Limited showdown videos coming at you. We're going to start prepping those this week. Hopefully we can get those out to you as soon as possible. And we got to make sure we shout out each and every new patron the week that they join. So we want to welcome Mojo Jojo, Scott, Ryan, Paul, Chris, Jean-Luc, Thomas, Dan, Hunter, Broken Cardboard, Taylor, and Jacob. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah. Thank you so much. And another shout out to Negative Mitch. That was our Discord uh, patron who was competing in the Pro Tour. It just warms my heart like to hear that like what we're doing helps people like at the highest levels in FNM or just, you know, like a random like my brothers, like a random, <laughs> you know, intermediate Swiss draft on Magic Online. Like it's just cool that what we're doing is helping people learn. Yeah. There's nothing random about an intermediate Swiss draft, Ben. Those that's are, serious business. You want to talk about <laughs> stakes. You want to talk about stakes. <laughs> All right. Speaking of stakes, let's let's just hop right in here. This is like the best. We're going to be taking a seat at the round table, the whole episode, a literal round table of eight drafters. And we're going to dive right into who was the feature drafter on day two. Jeremy Dizani. Now, for the purposes of this, because we are going to be trying to track all the players, we're not going to refer to them by names. We're just going to refer to them by player one through eight, because I think that'll be easier to talk about the flow of things and where we thought players may have like made mistakes or pivoted correctly or incorrectly or forced stuff. All that information, I think, is going to be easier to track by not referring to their names. But we are going to be starting with Jeremy Dizani and going clockwise. Right. So player one will be passing to player two, player two will be passing to player three, etc. Right. And we will be summing up what happens throughout the rest of the draft, but we're going to be focusing primarily on the entirety of pack one and looking at sort of, you know, th those pivot points. I think this is going to be a nice follow up to our episode last week if you listen to that. So player one, pack one, pick one, sits down and sees the following cards. They take a watcher in the mist over a handful of powerful cards that I think might be better, Ben. A Bounty of Might an inescapable blaze, a goblin crater maker. And I know you're not even crazy about this card, but I love it. Hatchery spider. What do you think about this? Yeah, I think this is a questionable first pick from Jeremy. I think the best card in the pack is bounty of might. I think the second best card in the pack is inescapable blaze and then probably watcher in the mist and then goblin crater maker and then hatchery spider. I think that's how I would order those. I think I would put crater maker a little higher, but you know, we're, we're sort of splitting hairs here about maybe preferences or curve considerations. But I just think Watcher in the Mist is just a little underpowered. So I wonder if Jeremy's got an idea of wanting to draft Demir here, wanting to 
I would assume wanting to draft Demir would be my guess. That's the only explanation I can come up with for taking this card. Yeah. Um, so then he moves on, and I think this is sort of a pick that's been discussed quite a bit because it seemed a little confusing. Pick two, he grabs a 10th District Guard over District Guide, Capture Sphere, and Necrotic Wound. Now, there was, uh, you know, a couple picks later, he told the judge that he was feeling lightheaded. He got a, a cup of water. He didn't look great on camera. It looked like he was he was getting flush or something. So the, the lightheadedness may have been a factor to this pick. He was down to the wire and then grabbed this. But I feel like if you're going to grab something to maybe force Boros, why not take the Blade Instructor that was in the pack? Yeah, there was some talk in our Discord about like he thought he was taking Blade Instructor. Like when he looked through his picks afterwards, like he stopped at the 10th District Guard and was like, what? What's going on here? Like, why do I have this? I think he thought he was taking Blade Instructor. Interesting. Okay, so that makes a little bit more sense. I will still say if you think you're taking blade instructor i'm not sure why you're doing that especially after like if you want to force boros why aren't you taking inescapable blaze or crater maker out of pack one why are you now deciding to not take like a capture sphere as a follow-up to your watcher in the mist or a district guide if you want to draft green you know right district guide i think is the pick there for me interesting you even with the watcher in the mist you wouldn't follow it up with capture sphere no i think i'd still take district guide district guide's great it opens up so many avenues for you yeah well you're just a sucker for glaive of the guild pact aren't you I am. What can I say? I'm in love. Well, this uh, this weird pivot into white ends up working out for Jeremy here, or I'm sorry, for player one here. As uh, we move into picks three and four, he grabs a couple of luminous bonds. Uh, luminous bonds over a goblin banneret in pick three, and luminous bonds over a Golgari Finebroker pick four. Now, this is a tough spot, I think, because while Golgari Finebroker is, I think, more powerful than luminous bonds, having decided to move into white and get hooked up with luminous bonds and then another luminous bonds, I think. I might be tempted to just stay on target there rather than abandon the white for this fine broker. What do you think about that? Yeah, pick four is like not quite late enough where I think Golgari fine broker is a huge signal. So I, I'm all right with taking a second luminous bonds here. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And then it all sort of falls apart for me, at least. Pick five, he takes a fire urchin, which is just it can't be when you want to take this card. This card is not something I'm generally happy to include in my final 40 card deck list in either is it or Boros. And we're in pick five and, you know, we're not seeing healers hawks. We're not seeing Sky Knight Legionnaires. We're not even seeing hammer droppers like it doesn't feel like red white is open. And so this pick of fire urchin is a little tough for me to get behind. Yeah, I agree. Although to be fair to Jeremy, it is a very weak pack. Like the other good cards in the pack are like a child of night, right. maybe a temple garden, a silent dart. Like it's not a strong pack. No, it isn't a strong pack. And yeah, that, like you know, I, I'm sure I would be championing some sort of green card to be like, just take any green card. Maybe it'll be Selesnia, but there really isn't even anything to speak of there so he goes down the line gets a sworn companions next over you know some medium stuff a demir guild gate a douser of lights a crawl foragers so he's just staying on the white train but again sworn companions not a card i'm happy with in in really any white deck and now pick seven he takes sacred foundry which i'm less like are you rare drafting and not that there are like really good cards in the pack again we've got a generous stray a siege worm a severed strands but like this is not the quality of card you want to be taking for your deck. Like a dual land is fine, but what have you seen that indicates that red is what you should be drafting? Nothing at all. Like, because you've seen zero red cards that are worth picking. Yeah. You haven't seen an ornery goblin, no direct currents. Like, I'm just talking about like, what are the good commons that you would expect to see if you thought a color was open and you're just not seeing them? He holds on for dear life. He takes a rubble belt board. Now here is a place, and I think there would have been maybe some places earlier where I would have I would have certainly made some different picks here, but he's got a Rhizome Lurcher and a Demir Informant 
in the pack as well, pick eight. So about to wheel are these two cards. Now, it may be too late to jump into Golgari for the Rhizome Lurcher, but like you've still got a Watcher in the Mist in your pile. Why not take this Demir Informant and see if maybe maybe you can go blue-red. Maybe you go blue-black and you splash the Luminous Bonds. I just we're, just feel like we're, we're holding on to this red-white dream a little too long. Yeah, I, I agree. This it's hard, it's hard to follow, especially the second pick 10th district guard just makes the whole draft kind of wonky. And I wonder if, as we'll see, if this ripple effect, if that sort of pick has a weird ripple effect. But I, I think there are just going to, we're going to see throughout a lot of these seats, some people just sort of holding on to their first few picks or holding on to an archetype that they want to draft. And it's just going to not work out, I think, very well for a lot of folks, in my opinion. Um, so to finish out the pack, he sees a barging sergeant on the wheel, which does feel a, like a bit of a gift. I mean, I think you and I have sort of come up on that as being probably the best five drop that we want in our Boros decks. Yeah, and even does some work in Is It Aggro. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but there's a Child of Night, a Severed Strands, and a Necrolisk, which is nothing special, but let's apply the takeaways that we had from our last episode. We're not only looking at like the quality of card, but the quantity of cards in a color or color pair. And that's a lot of black cards from pack one. And as we're going to see next, he grabs a Maniacal Rage, but we get another pocket of black cards, a Necrotic Wound, a Spinal Centipede, and a Hired Poisoner, all going way too late. And I think there would have been opportunities earlier in the pack as well to maybe move into like black for some medium picks like a Dowser of Lights or something like that. Yeah, I certainly agree. And then rounding out the pack, what do we see? Uh, he grabs a Hunter Witness, random one drop, a Mephitic Vapors, I guess for hate drafting because he's going to be playing some X-1s, a Silent Dart, a Selesnya Locket, and an Arboretum Elemental. So just like nothing good. He's got a couple of Luminous Bonds, and that's about it. Uh, my summary of this is I feel like I never like forcing an archetype, and this doesn't really work out well for player one. I think they had the opportunity to move into Golgari for the fine broker. They certainly had an opportunity to move into just black and maybe just have outs to be Demir. I mean, let's not forget that they have Watcher in the Mist, which is one of the best cards in their pile right now. So they did hold on to red, white for dear life. And I don't think that they should have considering like you're not seeing anything on the wheel that indicates that blue, red or red, white is going to be open. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, if you look at the cards he's got, so Watcher, 10th District Guard, Bonds, Bonds, Fire Urchin, Sworn Companions, Sacred Foundry, Rubble Belt, Boar, Barging Sergeant. I mean, the only cards you're interested in playing that he's got are like two Luminous Bonds, a Watcher in the Mist, and maybe a Barging Sergeant. Everything else is like filler or worse. And so one of the cool things that coverage does is they do this sort of like around the table segment that we were able to take screenshots of to show what all the final decks looked like. And so we'll make sure we link that in the info below where you download the episode. But you'll see that it doesn't get much better card quality wise. Like he's running a candlelight vigil. He's running. He got a direct current. That's nice. He got another luminous bonds, but we're seeing no rares. We see a Legion guild mage. He's running two GERD for battles. This is just not the quality of card that I want in a Boros deck. Yeah, but he ended up going to one. So, I mean, not the worst. It's not the worst. No, but you're not trying to two one, right? You're trying. I mean, like two oneing feels like a gift with this deck with what I'm looking at. Now, granted, I'm sure he's, he's a very accomplished player, so I'm sure he's playing this to a better ability than I could. But I just still think that this is uh, this isn't isn't where you want to be. This, it isn't where I would want to be. I would be pretty bummed at the end of a draft with this. Right. And so we should note that none of the players at this table three owed. So it was sort of a weird thing where two of the players were eight and zero in the pod and everybody else was seven and one. 
And in, I'd actually learned this this week. In day two, they pair based on like ranking at the end of the rounds, not just like within the draft pod like they would at the start of day one where everybody's, you know, uh, zero and zero. So doing the draft pod just like normal makes sense. So you could actually have people like that have a win paired against somebody that has a loss in the second round of the second draft of day two. So they don't play out of pod, but they can get paired weirdly within pod based on their overall ranking in the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a, a weird thing for us to have to, to piece together today. I called you this morning. I was like, what? There are four people that went 2-1 and four people that went 1-2. How is this possible? <laughs> so we did some digging. Uh, so that brings us to our next player, player two. And they start off with the following pack one. Options are Swiftblade Vindicator, Integrity Intervention, Sky Knight Legionnaire, and Whisper Agent. Where are you at there on that first pick? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking at integrity intervention here, though I will say there's a part of me that feels like there's three really strong Boros cards here and I would like to avoid it, especially given what we knew on day two about the day one draft meta, which was that like Boros was like hugely drafted and had a huge win percentage. It was like, what, 30% of the 3-0 mm-hmm. decks or something? Yeah, it was insane. There were 20 Boros 3-0 decks, and it was 32.8% of all the 3-0 decks, which smashed the next closest, which was Demir, with only seven 3-0s at 11.5% of the total 3-0 deck. And that did end up, spoiler alert, did end up leveling out to day two. Like, Boros was still at number one, but only slightly above Demir, whereas it just had such a huge lead in day one. So I w- there's something in my head about that, where maybe I'd want to avoid Boros because it feels like a lot of people are, are drafting it. And maybe especially after like, I don't know, seeing those results or something that that a lot of people are on that as maybe the best deck. So there's a part of me that wants to just take Whisper Agent and avoid that whole mess. But if I'm looking at just raw power level, I think Integrity Intervention is the best card here. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what's best out of those three. I'm not even sure that Swiftblade Vindicator is better than Sky Knight Legion. I think it's the worst of the three. That's kind of where I'm leaning. I mean, it's very high upside. But if you don't do anything with it, like it's just a two drop that's going to trade. I mean, when it's when it's great, when you go off with it, it's great. But I think Sky Knight Legionnaire is going to be more consistently good draft in and draft out. I, I think I would be on Sky Knight Legionnaire here, pack one, pick one over Integrity Intervention. I think my order would go Legionnaire, although Integrity Intervention is so much more flexible. Yeah. I, I, I changed my mind. I'm with you. Yeah, intervention one, is just just because you can cast Integrity in a Selesnia deck and that's totally fine. And you can also splash for Intervention. Like it's just it's too flexible to not be the pick here. Yep, I think so. All right, so moving on, uh, player two took Swiftblade Vindicator and is starting off with a Boros Rare. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, yeah. And we know to their to their right, player one was forcing Boros. So we'll see We'll see what happens here. Pick two, you have the following cards as options. Goblin Crater Maker, Inescapable Blaze, Bounty of Might, and Hatchery Spider with a common missing. And player two landed on Goblin Crater Maker there, which I think is like pretty questionable to me. I think Bounty of Might is the best card in the pack, followed by, and I think Inescapable Blaze, I would have above Goblin, Goblin Crater Maker if I were taking a red card here. Where are you at on that? I think I agree. Well, it's tough because if I have Vindicator already, I think Crater Maker is better in Boros and Blaze is better in Is It. That's interesting because Blaze is just such a good finisher for Boros. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's hard for me. I think they're both so good. It's hard for me to get behind taking a six drop over a two drop. Um, but I just I would just take Bounty of Might here. Right. I, I would also be on Bounty of Might. Uh, but player two selected Goblin Crater Maker. And so now they've got Swiftblade Vindicator and Goblin Crater Maker in their pile. Moving on to pack three. Uh, another like interesting-ish pick here. There's Sonic Assault, Blade Instructor, Capture Sphere, Necrotic Wound, and District Guide. I certainly think on raw power level, District Guide is the best card. 
but is a far cry away if you've already got Swift Blade Vindicator and Goblin Crater Maker in your pile. So player two lands on Blade Instructor here. And again, like alarm bells are going off for us because we know that the player to their right is Boros. But that's not immediately apparent to them yet here. So what do you think about that pick? I just think that we're now two seats in a row where we're forcing Boros for no reason. Like, I don't I guess if you had if you had like Tajik or if you had like Boros Challenger, sure. But like, why are we forcing Boros right now? Why aren't we just staying flexible and taking what we think are the best cards out of the pack? Right. So the draft should have gone, regardless of what your pack one was, like even if you take Swift Blade Vindicator, pick two should have been Bounty of Might, and then pick three should have been an easy district guide after picking Bounty of Might, right? I, I agree. I think so. So this is, this is now two players who have, who have passed up on that, what I think is a, is a pretty big opportunity. Right. And so that's going to send ripples down the table as well. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to, they, so pick three, they grab Blade Instructor. Moving on to pick four, you see the following cards as options. Pitiless Gorgon, it Guildgate, and Goblin Banneret. They, of course, selected Goblin Banneret because they're drafting Boros. And it was a very weak pack, uh, two commons and an uncommon missing. So not huge signaling things there. And I think it's like that Goblin Banneret actually hurt them because it sort of reinforced. Right. <laughs> like that maybe Boros is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it really just was not, as we're going to see here. Uh, and pick five. So in your pile, you've got Vindicator, Crater Maker, Blade Instructor, Goblin Banneret, and you see the following cards as options, pick five. There's an Intrusive Pack Beast, Demir Guildgate, Generous Stray, Vernati Shieldmate, and a Golgari Finebroker. Where are you at with that pick? So this is something that I feel like got really solidified in our conversation last week on pivot points, that like Golgari Finebroker, we're just going to talk about it because no, basically no one takes it. Every time it comes up in each of these drafts, we're going to be like, it's a signal here. Here, it's a signal. We should be taking it here. And I feel like right now, pick five is just a nice sweet spot to grab it because the other option for our deck is, I think actually I would take Vernati Shieldmate just as a two drop. I agree. But both Vernati Shieldmate and Intrusive Pack Beast are quite replaceable in my mind. Like if you're in Boros, if Boros is what your seed is supposed to do, you will get access to random two drops and you will get access to five mana something, whether it's Command the Storm or Barging Sergeant or Pack Beast, whatever. Golgari Fine Broker is not replaceable. And I think grabbing it here, and if Golgari is open, great, you reap the rewards. And if it's not, you're not missing out on anything. Yeah, I completely agree. Player two, however, stuck with Boros and took Intrusive Pack Beast. So moving along, again, we're forcing Boros here. Pick six. They pick up a Ledev Guardian out of a very weak pack again, like Child of Night, Undercity Necrolisk, Urban Utopia, some of the standout cards there. Pick seven, they take a Fearless Halberdier as the only red card out of the pack, no white cards in the pack, over cards like Douser of Lights, Crawl Foragers, Demir Guildgate. So again, like seeing the Golgari signals, but they passed on the Golgari Fine Broker. Pick eight, they take a Boros Locket over cards like Siege Worm, Generous Stray, Arboretum Elemental, Golgari Guildgate. Pick nine, Selesnya Guildgate over cards like Rhizome Lurcher, Generous Stray, Demure Informant, and just continues on down. Like they continue to see these pockets of good black cards that we saw um, from player one late in the pack and don't take any of them. They just take Guildgates, Candlelight Vigil, Generous Stray, round the draft out with a couple paws for reflections. And I think this was forcing Boros at its finest. Uh, and they sort of got suckered in like the first four picks. I think it's all very not not. No, it's not really defensible. <laughs> Pick two should have been Bounty of Might. But if you let's say you make those those first four picks anyway, you still had the opportunity at pick five 
to get out of there with the Golgari Fine Broker, and they just didn't take the signal. All right, so I I understand that we're just a couple of rubes. We draft in the low stakes intermediate queues, but we draft a lot. Like we are like living and breathing and eating and sleeping and drinking limited all the time. Yes. I don't know how to make sense of this draft. This feels like a, a very poorly navigated draft for someone who is clearly a good magic player, right? Right, They're right. In, like the feature pod of day two of a, of a PT. Yeah. I feel like then people could say, well, you know, it's only six rounds of limited. It's 10 rounds of constructed. Like, but that's, it's a big portion. You can't just do well in constructed and then like blow it in limited and make it to the top eight. You can't do right. it. Right, right, So I don't know. This is a tough, tough seat for me to, to navigate. Yeah. So definitely rough to be drafting Boros next to another Boros drafter as player two. I think they didn't read the signals, got punished, and they ended up going one, two with like a pretty medium Boros deck, like medium minus. Yeah, I would say so. Well, let's see how it goes for certainly player three will not be drafting Boros, right? Going to be really hard to grab some Boros cards out of those packs that were already pretty lean from player one and player two. So pick one. Uh oh, our hero here, player three grabs Wojek bodyguard over. Wow. Wojek bodyguard over Goblin Electromancer, Parhelion Patrol, Siegeworm and Legion Guildmage. Yeah, I think this is a really hard first pick, but I think the best card in the pack is Legion Guildmage if you want to yeah. go for us. Although, like, I don't know. Legion Guildmage is not necessarily the two drop that you want, but it's it's almost a bigger Boros signal. I, that's really close, I think, between Wojek Bodyguard and Legion Guildmage. I do think the Bodyguard's defensible there. It is backbreaking when you curve one drop, two drop into Bodyguard. But Bodyguard's not a... I guess you're saying in Boros, you may still want Bodyguard over Legion Guildmage. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, I can get behind that for sure. But again, that feels like, I guess we're just forcing Boros though. It- but you have to pick a direction here, pack one, pick one. Either you're taking sure. Electromancer and you're skewing is it, or like essentially Bodyguards, a Boros gold card, I think. We've established that that doesn't go in is it at this point. Legion Guildmage is a gold card. And then I think Parhelion Patrol and Siege Worm are just worse cards and not worth like taking a single colored card for. So I, th- I think this is hard and I think Wojcik Bodyguard's defensible there. Yeah, I agree. So now we're going to see that sort of that those powerful Boros cards from player two's opening pack get passed here. We see the Sky Knight Legionnaire and the Integrity Inter- Intervention, as well as Whisper Agent and Sonic Assault. And they make what I think is the correct choice here, grabbing Integrity Intervention. I think it's close, but I think Intervention is a more flexible card and a more powerful card. And then they do what we've wanted someone to do. They grab, they see Inescapable Blaze, Hatchery Spider, and Bounty of Might, and rather than stay on target with Boros, which they absolutely could do and take Inescapable Blaze, they see a green rare and a foil green rare and decide, okay, two people to my right have said no to these cards. I'm going to grab Bounty of Might. Yeah, I think that's a really good pivot, uh, especially with an uncommon and a common missing out of the pack. So that means, you know, that's pretty big signal if Bounty of Might's still there. There are no commons, certainly, and I don't think many uncommons I would take over Bounty of Might. I think Bounty of Might's just very, very, very strong. Um, And I think a very disciplined decision, it looks like, from from player three here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And then pick four... They've got the bodyguard, they've got integrity intervention and bounty of might now. They see Sonic Assault, Capture Sphere, Necrotic Wound, and District Guide, and you would think... You just slam District Guide there, right? Well, you do, because you're a sicko. No, but I think so too. I think you just slam District Guide and you go, all right, I'm picking up on this green signal. I'm seeing a strong green on Common Fourth after I saw two green rares that are both playable, and certainly bounty of might is very good. But our, our hero here, player three, grabs Capture Sphere, which is tough for me to wrap my head around. 
Because even if you think Capture Sphere is a good splashable removal spell in a base green multicolor deck, which I agree that it is, I think the more important piece for that deck is District Guide. Yes, absolutely 100%. I don't know how you don't take District Guide here after like t- being disciplined and taking Bounty of Might. Yeah. Uh, it just feels like the very natural follow-up. So that's a little confusing there. And then pick five. And now we know, based on what we've seen so far, that that these packs start to, in the middle of the pack, are, are pretty weak on playables. So we see a Selective Snare being taken over Pitiless Gorgon, Temple Garden, and Pax Favor as notable cards in the pack. Now, Selective Snare, I think, is a fine sideboard card. I guess you could maybe main deck it if you had to. But again, why are we drafting blue right now? Right. We moved in for a Capture Sphere that was worse. I think Capture Sphere is just a worse card than District Guide. I agree. And so now I think you would just take Pitiless Gorgon. You'd be like, all right, I'm I'm green X. Maybe I can be green black. Maybe I'm green white. I still get to splash integrity intervention, whatever. Yeah. So I, I don't really get this pick. And then pick six, we see Fire Urchin taken over Golgari Fine Broker. <laughs> there he is. He's still waving. Nobody wants him. Anyone, anyone, please. He's just like hitchhiking down the table. Like he's got his thumb out. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And you have the Bounty of Might. Like, how do you not take Fine Broker there? Like, you did so good when you picked the Bounty of Might, pick three, and then you just didn't follow it up. I don't know. It's like tennis. You make the you make the perfect approach shot, and then you just bury the overhead slam into the net. I don't know. Like, you gotta you gotta slam that thing into the open court and win the point. Yeah. So passing Fine Broker here feels like a pretty big punt, especially after taking Bounty of Might, as you said. For those of you that for those of you that don't get our show notes, we bold all of the picks here. And when Ethan and I were compiling the show notes, I just kept bolding the Skolgari Fine Broker because it was the pick in my brain so much. And it just it just never was like, yeah, just kept on going and going and going. Feels like I'm watching this person like try with every fiber of their being to decide why they shouldn't be drafting green. And I don't get that. I don't get it. There's a lot of hate for green out there. And I don't I, I don't get it. Uh, pick seven, they grab an urban utopia back on the green train over this like little pocket of black cards under City Necrolisk and Child of Night. And there's a temple garden. And then they take Leapfrog over Douser of Lights, Crawl Foragers, and Demir Guildgate. And so it looks like they've decided, well, Boros isn't open, so I'll force is it. Yeah, that's what it feels like, except Capture Sphere was the card they went into blue for, which isn't good in is it. And Wojek Bodyguard is the only red card they had, which isn't good in is it. Yeah. It was just really weird. It felt like this person almost disconnected from Magic Online in the middle of the <laughs> pack, like with Selective Snare into Fire Urchin into Urban Utopia into Leapfrog, just some strange stuff and really ignored after picking the Bounty of Might, the opportunity to go into green and draft a super strong Golgari deck. Yeah, I mean, so we'll see on the wheel, like just the, this density of green and black cards. Golgari Guildgate being taken over Siegeworm, Generous Stray, Arboretum Elemental. Pick 10, Demir Informant being selected over Rhizome Lurcher, Generous Stray, and Severed Strands. We've just got this density of Abzan cards, another pocket of black cards, Severed Strands, Child of Night, Undercity Necrolisk. Uh, they finish out the pack. They're the ones who grab that Necrotic Wound after that late pack of, of black cards, a Veiled Shade, a Barrier of Bones, and another... Undercity Necrolisk. So player three yeah. started out Boros. Looks like they were they were gonna make the right move into pivoting into Golgari, which I think is absolutely what this player seat should have done. I think it's what a number of player seats at this table should have done. But then they waffle around, they move into Izzet for what seems to be no particular reason, and ended up playing an Izzet, I guess quote unquote aggro deck. They do have three beam splitter mages, but only one maximized altitude to target them with. Uh, and I think this deck has a lot of holes. It's not really doing like either is it thing and it went one, two. 
All right, that brings us to player four, Andrew Ellenbogen, who was, spoiler alert, PT champion. Boom. Yeah, congratulations, Andrew. So pack one, pick one, had a pretty stacked pack one, pick one here. Options were Direct Current, Watcher in the Mist, Sunholm Stalwart, Conclave Cavalier, and Connive Concoct as the rare, and I think correctly selected Connive Concoct out of all those cards. What do you think? Yeah, not much to discuss there. That card is a bomb. Yeah. And then moving on to pack one, pick two, showed some good discipline here, had the choice of Goblin Electromancer, Siege Worm, Parhelion Patrol, or Legion Guild Mage here, and there was a common missing from the pack. And I think selected Legion Guild Mage as far and away the best card out of the pack. Now, I'm not sure I think it's far and away the best card out of the pack. Like, I think there's an argument for taking Electromancer here because I take a card like Connive Concoct and I would love to be able to play that if possible. And I can play that in an Izzet deck. Yeah, that's fair. And I think Electromancer is like one of the best two drops. I mean, it's not even one. It's just like that. That's the thing you want to do on turn two in an Izzet deck. Would you take Electromancer here? I think so. I think I'd be inclined to want to play Connive if I can. And I, this feels like a, yeah, Legion Guild Mage may be slightly better, but it's not better than me being able to play Connive Concoct. That's interesting. I, I think I agree with Andrew here. And I think I would take Legion Guild Mage as just like, I think it's the most powerful card in the pack. But, you know, alarm bell should be going off already because we've had player one Boros, player <laughs> right. two Boros, player three started Boros and then ended up in Is It. So things may be not looking good for our hero here. Moving on to pack one, pick three with a connive and a Legion Guild Mage in his pile. Uh, sees the following cards as options. Whisper Agent, Rhizome Lurcher, Demir Informant, Sky Knight Legionnaire, and Sonic Assault with a rare and an uncommon missing from the pack. So not too many signals to be read there. And I think this ends up being a super close pick between Sky Knight Legionnaire and Whisper Agent. Andrew takes Sky Knight Legionnaire. I kind of think Whisper Agent should be the pick here. I think those cards are similarly powerful. Sky Knight Legionnaire might be slightly better, but Whisper Agent is great and very flexible. And I think Connive Concoct is enough better than Legion Guild Mage that I want to bias towards the card here that lets me play Connive Concoct. What do you think? Well, I think you just made the same argument I just made for pick two. Except I think the gap between Legion Guild Mage and Goblin Electromancer is greater for me than it is between Sky Knight Legionnaire and Whisper Agent. I don't think you actually think that. <laughs> I, I, I do, I think. <laughs> Because you don't because you're low on Legion Guildmage. Like, I know you don't think that card is very good. Yeah, you're right. I think I think that I think the issue is and I think I've already identified this for myself is that I'm too low on Goblin Electromancer. Oh, yeah. I think that's where I think that's where the gap I think it's actually my evaluation of Goblin Electromancer. And this is why pick orders are so important, people. Yeah. We're, what is this week six of the format and you and I are still arguing about things? And clearly some of players one, two and three need to really, really <laughs> readjust things there. Yeah. So I agree. I would have gone Connive Concoct, Electromancer, Whisper Agent. Yeah. Interesting. And I think I would have gone Connive Concoct, maybe incorrectly Legion Guild Mage into Whisper Agent. So Andrew, though, has Connive Concoct, Legion Guild Mage and Sky Knight Legionnaire in his pile. Uh oh. Abort. Abort. <laughs> I know. Pick four gets an inescapable blaze late oh, and I God. think correctly takes it yeah. over Barging Sergeant and Hatchery Spider. So I think it's, that's the right pick there, but is pretty rough. That's just like the nail in the coffin. Pick five sees Sonic Assault, Necrotic Wound, District Guide, Hired Poisoner, Spinal Centipede, and Barging Sergeant. Ends up taking the Sonic Assault. I think... You know, given what he's got, I think District Guide is pretty good here or even like Necrotic Wound to get back on the Connive Concoct plan. Um, it's tough to take a Sonic Assault fifth pick. Well, maybe he thinks that he can. Go, he's on the Izzet train. He's going to play Connive, Blaze and Assault and abandon the two red white cards. Yeah, that's reasonable. 
And then pick six takes an Is it Guildgate over Pitiless Gorgon and Temple Garden out of a weak pack, which is fine. You know, this pack was super weak. And then pick seven, there he is again, Golgari Fine Broker. Pick still me, pick waving. me. Yeah, but Andrew does not. Grabs a Vernati. A Ver- oh, yeah, I typed it even wrong. It's a Vernati. A Vernati Shield Mate uh, over that Golgari Fine Broker. And I think, you know, again, misses out on the opportunity to pivot into like a Sultai deck or like even a you know, Golgari deck splashing connive concoct. I think there were a lot of options for a C here, but instead sticks to Boros with two Boros players already in player one and player two. So rounds out the pack with a bunch of not good cards, disdainful stroke, pick eight, maximize altitude, pick nine over crawl forger and douser of lights. Um, and again, looks to be trying to pivot into is it here for this sonic assault that he saw fifth, which is not really a signal in my opinion. And then pick 10 takes a wall of mist over like siege worm, generous stray, pick 11, generous stray, pick 12, Ledev guardian over like an undercity necrolisk and a child of night, get some black cards, hired poisoner and a couple lockets to round out the pack. Um, so did a nice job at the start of the draft being flexible, I think, and being maybe willing to move off connive concoct. And then just sort of put the blinders on for Boros. And I think really missed the opportunity to move into Golgari or Sultai with the pick five district guy that he didn't take. And especially the pick seven Golgari fine broker that he didn't take. It looked like he was trying to audible into is it at the end of pack one, but ended up sticking with Boros and going one, two. And he was the third Boros player out of four drafters there in a row in the table, which is pretty rough. That feels really bad. I mean, I think some people disagree with us, but I think you and I are pretty much on like, I don't want, I can maybe draft Boros if there's one other player at the table, but like drafting Boros with two other people at the table doing it, you're just, no one can end up with a good deck. It's not, it doesn't feel possible to me. Right. And I think that's what we saw here with these three people. Yeah. And I think, again, I'm going to harp on what we talked about last week, but it feels very important in this format to me to pay attention to picks nine plus and to be very aware of like taking those hedge picks because when you're not missing out on huge power levels, it's like you can you can afford to miss out on a Vernati shield mate. You're not going to miss that. What you might miss out on is the fact that Golgari is smacking you in the face. All right, let's take a look at the second half of this table. We're going to start with player five here, who I think is going to be a bit of a breath of fresh air here after all these Boros drafters in a row. So pick one, we see Status Statue being selected over Watcher in the Mist and Rosemane Centaur. How do you feel about that? Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. I mean, you know, a little less maybe quote unquote flexible, but I think certainly a much more powerful card than Watcher in the Mist for me. Close but clear, I would say. Pick two. Oh, this, see, this person gets it. They select Conclave Cavalier. They're not afraid of green. This is also a pretty stacked pack. Direct Current, Watcher in the Mist, and Sunholm Stalwart with a rare missing. This is a tough pick, but what do you think about taking this GGWW card here? I like it. At the start of the format, I think I'd have been tempted by Direct Current, but I am no longer tempted by Direct Current. I um, That is rapidly going down for me, not in power level, but just like it feels like everyone and their mom is trying to draft is it and boros and direct current like leads you down both of those paths which are pretty hotly contested in my opinion lately especially in the intermediate queues um i i don't know sunholm stalwart goes well with status statue in that like you could play both those cards in selesnya 
And if Boros is open, you're going to be much happier with the Sunhome style wart. I do think it's a worse card than Conclave Cavalier in Selesnya, certainly, but it's much more flexible. And the power level, I think, is pretty close. I think I might have been on Sunhome style wart here, pick two, but I, I wouldn't fault anyone for taking Conclave Cavalier. Uh, our hero here grabs Conclave Cavalier and I think is doing maybe what I would have done. I do believe I would have done this. I think I would have forced a green deck or try, been looking to steer my draft towards a green deck at the Pro Tour, given how I feel like green has been put under this bubble of like unplayability in this format yeah it's like the redheaded stepchild for no reason at all for no reason uh so pick three our hero selects a parhelion patrol over goblin electromancer siege worm and a golgari guild gate we see an uncommon and a common missing from the pack yeah totally fine I think this is fine i don't love this fourth pick they grab a hazda marshal which is just not a card that i like at all really i'm not never happy to play this card i'm not sure what else they could take there's a whisper agent a sonic assault a rhizome lurcher and a demir informant and a world soul colossus if they want to stay selesnia though i don't think you and i are pretty big fans of that card i think i would have grabbed whisper agent here and thought about maybe being like green black again um and then hoping to wheel rhizome lurcher or you could just take rhizome lurcher here yeah i think either of those are fine things and then pick five we see the pack that had bounty of might and hatchery spider and our hero selects hatchery spider so staying on the green plan uh and then pick six Uh uh-oh ben it's gonna happen it's happening district guide scooped up pick six over some other good Black cards, we see this pocket of Necrotic Wound, Spinal Centipede, and Hired Poisoner again. Pick seven, Pitiless Gorgon, over not much. And then pick eight, he almost wheeled. Golgari Finebroker gets snapped up over Demir Guildgate, Mephitic Vapors, and Generous Stray. Yeah, so Taijun Hao here is reaping the benefits of what like several players to his right should have done. Yes. And so I think his deck is gonna be stacked. So he does, I mean, he sort of started green, but I think just... Based on what the cards he was taking, I think he was open to doing whatever. And I think probably would have gotten this regardless, even if his draft had not started out with Status Statue and Conclave Cavalier. But maybe that's just like me uh, finally being glad that somebody's taking the same cards or similar cards to what I would have done. Um, But I think, yeah, really reaping the benefit of these people trying to draft Boros all over each other in front of him. On the wheel, he grabs a Temple Garden over a Child of Night, which I think is, you know, totally fine. It's so weird that like the Shocklands almost feel less valuable than like Selesnya Guildgate. Yeah, they're way worse than a gate. Like if this were Selesnya Guildgate, I'd be a little happier. I'm still not super bummed by it. Like he's passing a Child of Night, which would be totally fine in his deck. But again, he should be able to get some sort of two drops, even though I think Child of Night is actively good in Golgari. But then as we know, because we've seen the cards that are going around late at the end of this pack, that it's just chock full of green and black cards. So he's going to get his sort of pick of the litter here. Crawl Forager, Siege Worm, Child of Night, Spinal Centipede, Pax Favor. Just not even that these cards are, are fantastic, but that he's getting them all at the end of the pack is really important. Yeah. One pick I do disagree with is pick 12. He takes a World Soul Colossus over a Rhizome Lurcher. Oh. After it seems like he's supposed to be going Golgari. And I think just those two cards, Rhizome Lurcher is a much better card. Oh, yeah. And he's been getting signals for Golgari. So that that's a, a little bit of an outlier here in this draft oh, for me. That is really confusing to me. I miss that. It's a, that's a bummer because I feel like otherwise I, I'm like pick for pick with him. Yeah, seems really good. I think this is the best navigated draft we've seen so far. And I think he had the best deck at the table, or if not the best deck, certainly one of the best decks. Yeah, I mean, he ended up getting he ended the draft with two status statues, a swarm guild mage, a charnel troll, a ritual of soot, a second fine broker. He even got a bounty of might himself like this deck looks really good. This is a very good version of a Golgari deck, in my opinion. Yep. Moving on to player six. 
They start off their draft with the following options, Beacon Bolt, Bounty of Might, Golgari Finebroker, Luminous Bonds, and Command the Storm. So another stacked pack here. They end up selecting Beacon of Bolt over Bounty of Might. What are you thinking about that? I don't like it. I don't like it either. Bounty of Might's just the best card in the pack. Both Dustin Stern and Ryan Sachs have told me that they think that Bounty of Might is probably worse in the competitive queues than in the intermediate queues, just because like people are more inclined to consider playing around it or whatever, which I think makes sense to me, except I don't know how you play around this card. It's so hard. Yeah, it's it, it's just it just seems like, yeah, I get it. It's six mana for a combat trick, but it's really strong. And I think it's certainly the best pick out of this pack. Yeah, and goes very well in Selesnia and very well in Golgari. I think it's the best card and I think it's the most flexible. Uh, so player six, however, selects Beacon Bolt. They disagree. Uh, maybe showing that they want they know is it as the best deck and maybe want to steer towards is it pick two they select a watcher in the mist over rosemain centaur which makes perfect sense given that they started with beacon bolt pick three they select a watcher in the mist over direct current and sunholm stalwart that's interesting to me i think you know if you think you're drafting is it i certainly think the first direct current is better than the second watcher in the mist yeah. But maybe they're trying to leave themselves out to like draft Demir, splashing Beacon Bolt. I certainly think the second Watcher in the Mist leaves them the most flexible guild-wise. So I could certainly see it being the pick there. Except that I, I don't think Izzet decks want two Watcher in the Mists. So it does feel like we're slightly abandoning Izzet with this pick, and which I'm fine with. Like I'm fine to be like, as we know, at least from the five players to our right, no one's drafting Demir. So this could be work out pretty well for player six. Right. And then moving on to pick four, they get back on the Is It plan. So they take a Goblin Electromancer over a very weak pack over Siege Worm, Generous Stragalgar, Guildgate. Nothing to write home about there. So they've got Bacon Bolt, Watcher, Watcher, Goblin Electromancer. Pick five, they see a Sonic Assault, Whisper Agent, Demir Informant, and a Rhizome Lurcher. They select Sonic Assault, which is, again, like a, maybe a tad early to be picking a Sonic Assault. Pick five. I almost like the Whisper Agent here, given that we have the two Watchers. And the Beacon Bolt is fairly splashable and probably good in a Demir deck. Yeah, I think so too. I think this is sort of a trend I'm seeing. Like, I feel like Sonic Assault was something that people underrated at the start of the format. Like, it was going pick 11, 12, 13 or whatever. Then we all realized how busted good it was. And now people are taking it way too early. Yeah, part of what was good about it was that you were getting it 10th or 11th, and it was a very strong card. Right. Seeing it 5th does not mean that it is open to me. That that feels like the is it trap to me. Yes, like Piston Fist, Cyclops, and Sonic Assaults, like around picks three through six is dangerous territory. That's just like you're getting trapped. <laughs> the, the the pod is trapping you with those picks. Yeah, so moving on. Uh, so they have Beacon Bolt, Watcher, Watcher, Electromancer, and Sonic Assault. Pick six, take a Fire Urchin over Disdainful Stroke, Child of Night, and Barging Sergeant. I think I would be on disdainful stroke here especially drafting is it disdainful strokes a beating especially with goblin electromancer single blue for a counter spell so good yeah very good pick seven they take a boros guild gate uh over cards like necrotic wound hired poisoner spinal centipede and barging sergeant this is where it really starts to feel a little questionable to me i think necrotic wound is a very 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 strong card and pick seven is probably too late for it to be going uh, and i think we should be picking it up here how do you feel about that i feel good about that i think of all the seats we've seen so far, this seat feels like the person who should have been Demir. Like Watcher, Watcher into Whisper Agent or Demir Informant, and now we have a Necrotic Wound. Like, I think I'd be looking to be Demir here. Yeah, I think so. Pick eight, Maximize Altitude. Pick nine, another Maximize Altitude over cards like Demir Gate, Mephitic Vapors, and Generous Stray on the wheel. Pick 10, a Dazzling Lights. Pick 11, a Demir Guildgate over a Dowser of Lights, uh, which is pretty late for that card. And that card does serious work in Demir. Just five mana, four, five is strong. 
pick 12 severed strands, pick 13 severed strands, pick 14 undercity necrolisk, and pick 15 erstwhile trooper. Nothing to write home about there on the wheel. But again, there were a lot of black cards uh, that they just sort of ignored. So I think, you know, we had takeaways from our, our last episode about pivot points about just like trying to pay attention at times even to the density of cards if you've seen weak packs, which I think the packs were pretty weak in this pod. Like they dried up pretty hard after the first four or five picks. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Yeah, that, that especially that like middle section for a lot of them, those like picks five, six, seven felt real medium. So I think, you know, I, I agree with what you said. I think this person of all the people so far probably could have gone into Demir. They're not in a terrible place, but they're not in a good place either. I think their card quality would be higher if they had steered a little bit more towards Demir. The one thing that I'm also pretty upset to see no one do here is take Gates higher. Be like, this draft isn't going well, so I'm going to snap up Gates and like I'm going to get a Glaive or a Gargoyle or a Guild Summit or something, and I'm going to try and do not just a dedicated two-color deck, which I also think is a nice, as we talk about, it's a nice escape route when you don't feel like the first guild or two that you try and go into is open. Right. And I think, you know, we'll talk about this at the end, but I think there probably should have been multiple Golgari drafters after this pack one. And then probably one of those Golgari drafters should have pivoted into the gate deck. Yes, like some sort of Abzan or Sultai or or more version of the gate deck. All right, let's take a look at player seven and what they have to offer here. So pick one, they grab a Conclave Tribunal over Luminous Bonds and a Goblin Banneret. Seems pretty yep, pretty good. That feels great. Pick two. Hey, they're going to take Bounty of Might out of a pack, Ben. How do you feel about that? I feel great. Bounty of Might being taken over, Luminous Bonds, Fine Broker, and Command the Storm. Totally fine. And then pack three is a pretty weak pack with a standout being Rosemane Centaur that player seven is not afraid to grab. Go you, player seven. I mean, it's a little early to say this, but like, you now have Tribunal and Bounty of Might and a Rosemane Centaur third out of a very weak pack. I would be looking to like plant my foot as the green white drafter here because I would assume that other people are avoiding it. So then pick four, you get Sunholm Stalwart over direct current. So you're staying, yes, yes, staying good, the course. Good. <laughs> you grab Sworn Companions over Generous Strayer Siege Worm, which I'm fine with. I, I don't really like any of these cards in a Selesnia deck, but Sworn Companion seems fine. Pick six, this this I have a little bit of a problem with. Our hero grabs Collar the Culprit over Generous Stray, Rhizome Lurcher, and World Soul Colossus. Now, I'm not a fan of Colossus at all, but I think I like taking it over a sideboard card for some signaling. Slash, it might make the deck. What do you think about that? Ah, I, I think I'm on Collar the Culprit here, actually. Really? I think it's a I think it's a fine removal spell, like certainly good out of the sideboard. And I just think World Soul Colossus is so bad. And I think people know it's so bad. Yeah. I mean, certainly this table doesn't like it as we, we know it went, went around quite a bit. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I, I, I might have just grabbed it here. Uh, he takes a wild Saratok over Selesnya Guildgate, which again is fine, but I'm a little higher on picking lands here, especially because I, I often want, like, I, I'm going to want to play Glaive in my Selesnya deck. I'm going to want to play Gargoyle if I can. Like, I'm going to want to have outs to, like, splash stuff. So gates just help that. And I think Saratok is generally just filler. Yep, I agree with Guildgate there. And then we see this pocket of black cards, Necrotic Wound, Hired Poisoner, Spinal Centipede with a Temple Garden but our hero selects Crushing Canopy. And I just feel like I don't love grabbing sideboard cards over lands. And I also wonder if there's like a world where I just take Necrotic Wound here and maybe like think about being green, black, splashing white, something like that. 
Or do you just think you just grab Canopy here and I'm making it too complicated? No, I, I like taking a flyer on Necrotic Wounds here. You could also be Slesnia splashing Necrotic Wounds if you've got a high creature count and you don't have much removal. That's one of the weaknesses of green-white is that they don't have access to much removal. So if you've got like 17, 18 creatures in your Slesnia deck, it's fine to splash a Necrotic Wound, I think. I don't think you're really going to miss crushing Canopy. I mean, it's a good sideboard card. So I mean, certainly reasonable, but I like taking a flyer on Necrotic Wound here. Yeah, the pack rounds out with just like some medium green-white stuff. Temple Garden, Demotion, Selesnia Locket, Arboretum Elemental, Join Shields, Rhizome Lurcher, second to last pick, and an Urban Utopia. So I do think this player may have gotten a little like lulled into white, though green-white was, it did end up being good for them. Um, I think they, I would have been maybe a bit more flexible with my picks in the, in the middle of the pack than them, but otherwise they did get somewhat rewarded in pack three. They got a venerated Loxodon, a second Conclave Tribunal, a camaraderie, but they didn't see any other centaurs and they passed up on some splashable removal like status statue that could have been enabled if they had taken lands a little higher. They also ended up playing two centaur peacemakers main deck, which is not really what your aggro green white deck wants to do you don't really want to have your opponents gain life yeah they weren't much of an aggro green white deck they were more like a good cards green white deck their curve was pretty wonky they didn't have many twos and then they had the centaur peacemakers or the centaur healers in the three drop slot it was an interesting interesting looking selesnia definitely powerful Mm -hmm. uh, but not your not your stereotypical low to the ground aggro selesnia build yeah and they uh they went 2-1 losing in the quote-unquote finals yeah and I think justifiably so. I think they navigated that draft pretty darn well. All right, finish finish out the draft for us. Yeah, so we just to recap so far, we've got player one, Boros, player two, Boros, player three, started Boros and somehow wound up in an Izzet deck, player four, Boros, player five, reaping the benefits and going Golgari correctly and ending up with an insane deck, player six, Izzet, and then player seven, as the only Selesnia drafter so far. That brings us to player eight to round things out here. And they start off pack one, pick one with a discovery dispersal selected over district guide and capture sphere. I don't love that. I think I would start this out with district guide pack one, pick one. What do you think? I'm going to add discovery dispersal to your list of underrated cards. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I think that's so overrated by everyone else. No. District Guide is great, but Discovery Dispersal is going to go in like any blue or black deck. Yeah, and District Guide lets you do whatever you want, whenever you want. Nah, I'm I'm on Discovery Dispersal here. Oh, that makes me sad. I feel betrayed. I was sure you were going to be on District Guide with me. I'm, I'm not, how could you feel betrayed when I'm just taking what is the best card in the back? I, t- I disagree <laughs> respectfully. I'm, I'm going to stay with District Guide there. Chime in, tweet at us on Twitter with what you yeah. think there. Ever, no, I know. This always works out with people saying I'm with Ben. <laughs> All right, moving on to pick two. You see the following cards as options. Piston Fist Cyclops, Luminous Bonds, and Goblin Banneret. And our hero takes Piston Fist Cyclops. That's a little questionable to me. What do you think about that? If I am good at editing, I will insert Admiral Akbar saying it's a trap. right here (laughs) do it it's a trap this is all we've been talking about is these like people taking is it cards way too early and do not fool yourself into thinking well i can take piston fist cyclops and play it in my demir deck yeah you can but that is absolutely not what you want to do especially because demir gets so clogged at the three you've got informant you've got whisper agent you've got dark blade agent like this is not what you want and i think both bonds and goblin banneret are much more powerful cards, and I would have landed on bonds here, I think. Yep, I agree. 
Moving on to pick three, you see Command the Storm, Golgari Fine Broker, and Luminous Bonds. Our hero selects Command the Storm after taking Piston Fist Cyclops, which makes sense for them, except again, I think this is the third best card in the pack. I think Fine Broker and Luminous Bonds are both better than Command the Storm. You've already got Discovery Dispersal, pack one, pick one, incorrectly. <laughs> and why not just like slam that Golgari Fine Broker to go along with it? Yeah, I mean, certainly if you had had Guide in your pile, you slam Fine Broker. But even with Discovery Dispersal, you can still slam Fine Broker because it's flexible and can go in a Golgari deck. This person messed it all up. They're the person that started the Fine Broker Express. Oh, this. No, yeah, I guess this is true. I mean, this is where it feels like it's it's almost acceptable to pass the Fine Broker here. Yeah, it's close. Because like, if you had taken Luminous Bond second, you could have taken Luminous Bonds third. If you had taken, right, right, right. if you're on this actual track, I guess Command the Storm, like you said, makes sense. But yeah, it's you're just like Fine Broker's good. Why are you passing it? Yeah, and then pick four snapped up an Is It Guildgate out of a fairly weak pack. Pick five Direct Current, which is like great. If you're this player, you're thinking, yeah, Is It doing it? Awesome. Uh, but I think ultimately that's going to end up baiting this person into playing Is It when they should not be. And then after that pick five direct current, pick six selected a Cosmotronic Wave, again, out of like a medium pack, uh, pick seven a Whisper Agent out of another medium pack. Like there are good green and black cards they're seeing, but not good enough to pivot out of is it at this point for, but just like feels like maybe they should have started their draft in another direction other than is it pick eight Disdainful Stroke, pick nine Barging Sergeant over cards like Necrotic Wound, Spinal Centipede, Hired Poisoner. That trio we saw go like way too far around the table uh, of black. As we know, Ben, there is one person drafting black at this table. Yeah, which is just insane. That's insane. Black's a very strong color. Yeah. Now, granted, there granted there weren't a lot of the black removal spells opened, but there were just signs of black cards going too late. Right. So we don't see dead weights or deadly visits in this draft until pack three, which is kind of ridiculous. But even so, just as we're as we've been saying last week and throughout this episode, we're not only looking at the quality of cards, we're looking at the density of those cards laid in the pack. And this trio of those black cards is just so silly to me. Um, so they round out the pack with nothing exciting. A Torch Courier, a Demir Guildgate, Child of Night, Douser of Lights, Generous Stray, Candlelight Vigil. So not even seeing like, is it cards period at the end of the pack, which again should be warning bells, I think, based on what we talked about last episode. And we know player six, two, two people to this person's right, is drafting is it so probably going to have a rough time pack three as well and they do they end up with a an okay is it deck and they go one two with it and i think you know if some of these decks or this pod had been in like leagues i think they really would have gotten crushed i think some of the the records of some of these decks got a little bit bolstered by the fact that they were playing in pod against all the other like forced decks to a certain extent right and i think there's you can also comment on that the other way like their packs were weak these were just some some pretty subpar power level packs. I think, again, not seeing dead weights or deadly visits until the third round of this draft is a little ridiculous. But I totally agree with you. Like, I just think people put on blinders way too early and also had pick orders that I strongly disagree with or just like didn't value pivoting as much as I do. I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in this draft that I had a hard time wrapping my head around. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, like, obviously, these are good people. They're they're at the top table at the Pro Tour. Mm hmm. But maybe, maybe like, maybe had a lucky draft and then like did really well. Maybe they're standard players. I don't know. I, but I, I just kind of think like if you qualified for the pro tour or me, like the first thing I would do is just nonstop play constructed, <laughs> like nonstop. Yeah. Right. You know, like, and if you're a constructed player, like, how do you not, like, if you've got like confidence in your constructed game, 
how do you not like listen to limited resources, listen to our podcast and just like jam drafts like to try to shore up your weaknesses? It's only six rounds, but six rounds is still a lot. That's like what, 30, 40 percent. And I I do feel like we're like tooting our own horn. It's like very easy to like, you know, watch the draft viewer and be like, you did this wrong. You did this wrong. But, you know, there's only a handful of people who six owed the day one, day two drafts combined. And one of those people was uh, Mike Sigrist, who was quoted in one of the like the, the article that summed up all the stats we were talking about, with the, the deck breakdown for the three O's. And he said some stuff that we were saying for weeks, right? He says, everyone has Demir and Boros as number one and number two, but I have Izzet and Demir as one and two, which is what we have as one and two. We've had that like for weeks, right? I think so. And he's just got like, it seems like the right idea. You know, he is saying he avoids Lesnia like the plague, but he has Golgari ahead of Boros. He just like doesn't really want to draft Boros and he would much rather not fight over a deck that he thinks a lot of people are fighting over, which I agree with as well. I think you and I are like much higher on green decks than the majority of people. It sounds like he wasn't afraid to draft at least one of the two green decks. So if Mike Sigris can come to these same conclusions and we have come to the, these conclusions as well, I think it's, it's definitely possible for, for a lot of people too if, if they put in the work. And he talks about how, how he was just like drafting for like two weeks nonstop basically. And I think that's what it boils down to is just like you have to draft a lot to figure it out. Like draft formats are complex. Because when you get in all those reps, that's when you're able to be like, oh, okay, if I pass this one card that like, I know I would be happy with playing in a Boros deck, but it's not a signal, like something like a barging sergeant. It's like, yeah, this is good, but maybe is this like really when I should be taking it? You can't know that nuance unless you just like have, I don't know, 40, 50 drafts under your belt. Right. And that then that goes back to pick orders and having strong pick orders and like having current pick orders based on having drafted a lot, right? Like your pick order is always shifting and always flexible. And based on what you've been seeing, cards go up and cards go down based on how you know how flexible they are in the format, what they leave you out to, what are the best performing decks at the moment, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's another thing that gets underrated is everyone, there's a lot of focus on the standard meta. What's the metagame? What's the metagame? And there's like no focus on the limited metagame, which absolutely exists. And I think this draft pot is sort of a reflection of like just hearsay about the draft format. You know, there were three Izzet drafters in this pod, three Boros drafters, no Demir drafters, and only one Golgari and one Selesnya drafter, who I think had the two best decks at the table. Because they weren't fighting with three other people for the cards in their deck. Yeah. Staying open is the name of the game, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I'm excited that we recorded a little earlier today because I'm going to go jam some drafts, baby. Heck yeah. I think I'm going to hop on and stream for a little bit here. Oh, sweet. Well, I can't wait to talk about why I think Discovery Dispersal is fantastic. <laughs> hashtag i'm with ben people oh, lay no. it on <laughs> lay it on thick all right i think that's a great place to wrap things up here a uh, bit of a tough table uh definitely hard weak packs um, but i think there were some signal signals missed there uh, by several of the drafters and ended up you know actually with no no demir largely because there were not demir cards in pack one but i think a couple people maybe had the opportunity to set themselves up to maybe reap the rewards of demir in pack two and pack three yeah i think we saw one drafter who could have been like mostly black at the end of pack one and one drafter could have been mostly blue and either of them i think could have could have grabbed an early nightfall predator and moved in in pack two all right thank you as always to salty pretzels for our intro and outro music make sure you give a listen you can still get in on that grn treasure hunt please take a screenshot of one of our 15 achievements shoot it over to us at our email address or on twitter with the hashtag grn treasure hunt you unlock five of those you get entered into a giveaway for a draft set and i believe this has already been done i think it just happened like rapidly but all 15 get <laughs> unlocked we're going to be doing a 15 hour stream we'll, we'll set that schedule up for you as uh, this format comes to a close 
Yes, presumably presumably sometime over my Christmas break. Yeah, that sounds like it'll be nice. We'll get some cheer from me and Ben, some holiday cheer. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us individually, uh, feel free to check us out on Twitch. Ben's about to go stream right now, which will be in the past for you. Twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware for me. You can check us out on Twitter under those same usernames, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. saw you wrote me a note here that said savage yeah that i could i can't say what you <laughs> it was a little harsh in my critique of this deck we should probably delete that <laughs> just so aggressive <laughs> i think we can leave it into the show notes let the let those those fine folks pan for the hut get the good stuff <laughs>